0: Hello and good evening everyone, this is Kevin Finkel, welcome to the 14th episode of Magic the Final Frontier. As always on this podcast, we'll be discussing the Frontier format, keeping on our listeners date with what is new, powerful, and interesting in the world of Frontier.
1: We wanted to go ahead and welcome a new host who's going to be showing up, not necessarily on every episode, but regularly on our podcast. Um, it's one of our teammates from Team Blue Black, Taylor Holbrook, and he also is the producer for our final frontier youtube channel
2: what's up everybody i'm as spiky as i come hoping i can add some uh spike insight to this podcast
0: yeah i think they decided that with uh just me and kevin here we we're getting a little bit too loose there a little <laughs> bit too many of my uh, a few too many of my brews got through last episode i think we were starting to talk about that overwhelming splendor and uh Somebody had to shut that down. Yeah, Yeah. Finkel
1: was like, I really wanted to cast that end hostilities, but I didn't have the mana. And if I had just had one more turn and I was like, you know, Finkel, you're probably right. One more turn would have done it for you, man. And then they were like, no, we got to have another host.
2: Well, (laughs) as you guys know from team chat, I'm cool with brews, but sometimes I shut them down a little early.
1: You also make brews that are uh, pretty janky yourself from time to time. Oh, do I? You, did make that, uh, you made that dredge deck the other day.
2: Oh, that was trash. I played one game and just got rid of it.
0: <laughs> Alright, so Kevin, do you want to introduce yourself as well? For anyone who, maybe this is their first time listening.
1: Absolutely, so hey everyone, I'm Kevin Handlin, and I am the host of the Untap Open League, and also a Frontier Grinder, and equally spiky.
0: Yeah, so we've got a Kevin, a Kevin, and a Taylor for once. Normally, we only get Matts and Kevins on the show.
1: Yeah, so we decided to break it up a little bit. This is a really big step for us in Frontier. We're going way out of our wheelhouse in terms of names and the name game. So uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks for diversifying our names, Taylor.
0: Oh, you're welcome. So, Kevin Taylor, before we jump into our main topic for today... Uh, I just want to see what you guys' thoughts on the format are right now. So for the main topic, we were going to talk about the... We're going to keep going with our color series. We're going to move on to blue. We're going to put that off for a little bit. Uh, We've got our new host here, and we're going to talk a little bit about our testing team. We thought that's something interesting we could do for today. But before we jump into that, I kind of want to just get your thoughts, your feelings. We're nearing the end of a season, and it's a time where, especially if you're following standard, many people get burned out. Uh, let Let me rephrase that. I am totally getting burned out on <laughs> But I wanted to see, how has the Exelon meta withstood the test of time? Are you still finding interesting new decks? Is the meta still changing? Let's just do a little bit of general meta talk, because I think it's been a while since we've done that.
1: Yeah, totally. So, I don't know how much Ixalan affected it. We had a few cards that came out as just standout highlights from this set, particularly Vraska's Contempt and Search for Azkanta have just been amazing. And I'm finding mm-hmm. that I want to put them in. Specifically, I want to put search for Iscanta in a surprising number of decks lately. And it's it's just so much card advantage over so much time, and you get to you get to curate your draws in a very effective way, and then also curate your graveyard while you're doing so. Which, for a lot of decks, is your second hand, and then simultaneously you're like once it flips if your opponent is down on cards they're never catching up to you on card advantage
0: so so kevin are you interested in that uh the marvel decks that have been running search for Canta, kind of out of japan we've been seeing that a lot
1: so i'm actually not interested in marvel right now i'm, I'm sure <laughs> right. that that's not going to be a surprise to you but i think that especially um since our teammate Aaron wrote his Reddit article on Tier 1, even he as a Marvel player couldn't call it a Tier 1 list, and I I do not think that it's Tier 1, and like while it is something relevant to talk about and it is one of the combo decks that our metagame plays uh, it's not really something that I personally am building around or building something to answer I would say
0: okay so taylor you're kind of new on the show how do you feel right now about how there are the different archetypes available in frontier do you think that there's a good balance of you can play aggro if you're an aggro player you can play control mid-range combo tempo Do do you think that's all really available right now
2: yeah i do think you can play pretty much whatever archetype you want um that being said i do think that blue black is by far the best deck and if you're playing a deck that's weak to blue black it's probably not the best idea because any given tournament you could expect to see that and it could easily win. Um, but I think everything's pretty well represented on the whole. You have a Tarka as your aggro deck, which everybody knows is great. Obzon and Bant Humans are both great mid range decks. I guess you could consider Marvel a combo deck, but there's also Sahili, and then there's even like Sahili Marvel, which is really good. So I really think you could play everything, including uh, Tempo, as I do play right now in the current league
0: yeah I think you're right there I think you're saying some of what we've been saying and even on top of that we're getting some of these I mean a big breakout deck of the UOL this season was the Jundalirium decks and that in some ways counts under a combo where they're really powering out the Emrakul and that's something that's a bit of a new revelation that only came about partway into this Ixlon meta
1: yeah
2: yeah that was a really good deck that uh Kind of bridges the gap between mid range and combo and has a really, really strong finisher.
1: The best finisher in my opinion, other than cats. Like the For best sure. finisher on a single card.
0: <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna talk about uh, approach of the second sun.
1: <laughs> Scarab God is comparable, I would say.
0: Ooh, that that's a good one, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a card that wins on its own.
1: I don't know if you have had the Oh, you do. You do run the Emrakul in your sideboard for the Jund list that you submitted this uh this yeah. season. And I don't know if your experience has been the same for it so far, but often when it's blue black versus Jund, which is a very very close matchup, I would say it's probably the closest thing Jund has to a 50-50. Um hmm. is that it's a race on who gets to their scarab god or emrakul first and what happens in between right like it's all of these exchanges to make sure that emrakul doesn't come down a turn before blue black is prepared for it and all these exchanges to make sure that blue black that jund is keeping its graveyard tight and sort of relatively inaccessible to the scarab god so um yeah, that's that's been an interesting matchup to navigate, for sure. And I've won it, and I've lost it like multiple times. So
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, I was making a compar- comparison earlier about my Jund deck, which is a little bit different from what you and some of your other teammates are running, is that, the comparison I made is that my deck's kind of like what yours looks like when you're trying to go longer post-board, and yours is what mine looks like when I'm trying to go bigger post-board. So I'm bringing the Emmercoles and the um, the Goblin Dark Dwellers. Whereas you're bringing the Tireless Trackers and things that I already have mainboard. You're bringing in the, uh, the sometimes the Lilianas and things that I have more of. Oh
1: well, we run we run all the Lilianas main. Um, um, but yeah, our sideboard is really really focused on discard. So, like in matchups where we're not already favored, we're oftentimes bringing, um, we're off we're oftentimes bringing in our discard package so that we can strip their hand of things that we don't want to see and also uh we don't necessarily need to stack up on our trackers because we've got a traverse the evenwald package so Mm -hmm. we can just get it whenever we really want it and so if one is flooded as one can be in in a graveyard deck that's running Seder wayfinders um you know it's it's a good time to use your Traverse the Uvenwald on, say, like, turn four if you want to turn those into some real cards.
0: All right, I think we're getting a little bit specific here. Let's go back a little bit broader. How are you guys on finding new, interesting decks? Do you think that just this Marvel Delirium, or this uh John Delirium is kind of the one interesting thing that we found partway through? Are there other decks that you're finding just now late into the season that are still something new and interesting?
2: Well, I know this guy's really... Uh... This guy's really high, or uh, Kevin, sorry. I'm used to calling him by his name on Discord.
1: <laughs>
2: Kevin Hanlon's like really, really high on this Blue White Humans deck, which I know has been around for a while, but it hasn't really seen play for quite some time.
1: Yeah, so it was actually an archetype that Matt Mealing came up with and played at a Frontier Showdown.
2: Yeah, I remember hearing about that. Uh, yes. I don't think there's any new cards to it, but that is a card that I just haven't seen for, I mean, a deck that I haven't seen for months. So I kind of consider that like a new deck in a way.
1: Yeah, it's an archetype that everyone thought was going to take off, mostly because Matt Mealing had this track record of putting things on the map and face-to-face games uh, had a, like a great record of doing that with archetypes. And I think this one just came in at such a late time, and it was it was for the um, North American Championships, the ones that happened at GP Toronto. And the coverage on that was like kind of loose. We basically like we broke head on that, and that was one of the reasons why like this podcast started was like we gotta talk about this tournament. I thought somewhere. that one was
0: the Dark Atarka list. Now, if, if I remember correctly, we did cover the tournament where he brought out the blue white aggro, but I think that was I think that was just as the rotation was happening. It was maybe the last tournament before Ixalan came out.
1: Okay. Then I, I think I stand corrected. Well, okay, did blue-white humans win the tournament where it was played?
0: No, so if I remember right, he dropped out to go and have lunch or dinner or something like that. <laughs> he goes up against an uh, Atarka red list that he felt confident winning. But uh,
1: yeah, that, You know, that yeah.
0: actually is one of those questions that I've been wanting to ask, because I've been pretty strong on the woo humans too. Or
1: Women's as so we're calling call it, it, Yeah.
0: <laughs> So it's great, you know. It's got the Smuggler's Copter. It's got the uh, the Archangel of Tithes. It gets negate post board. Plays a lot better game against some of the things that normally killed the mono white humans, namely sweepers. What I'm starting to wonder, and I think that you and I should probably test, is whether it lost some of its, you know, the the white humans versus a Tarko red matchup used to be so one sided. Mm-hmm. I want to see if that's still true with humans. I mean, I know you've got some of the life game. I want to see if that's actually still true.
1: It's been my finding that the it's very one-sided. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, the okay, so a lot of red aggro lists, and I, I don't know if this is your finding as well, Taylor, but a lot of red aggro lists are running Hazoret now, and having access to Reflector Mage for Hazaret is the definitive piece of... That matchup so like whether it's like sly red or like shrapnel red or something like that like i have found that the the thing that that determines who gets it out in the late game regardless of how much life gain happened and regardless of whether it was there was a swing for nine damage is the battle between reflector mage and Hazaret.
2: yeah i feel like even if red decks aren't mainboarding Hazaret nowadays they're always bringing it in out of the sideboard no matter what the matchup is So I don't know if that's like to trying to get people off their game, but I don't think I've played against a red deck and haven't seen Hazorette in I don't even know how long now. So I could definitely see Reflector Mage kind of pushing that, like the Hazorette away again if people want to start moving to that route.
0: Do you think there's any good route right now for these red decks to beat a kind of deck like the Bant Humans deck or the Blue White Humans deck or just the Mono White Humans deck? So, it's something they've struggled with, but I'm interested if there's any tools right now to overcome that differential.
1: It depends. So I think that with red, a lot of the time you are reaching what what we would call in Ravnica um, hellbent status. So you're using up your whole hand pretty quickly unless you're a very seasoned player, right? And so... Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting to like look at this being the matchup where you're the control and yet that's how it often ends up in like white aggro versus red aggro just archetypically. And my finding has been that you need to have some answers to both a tireless not tireless tracker, a Thalia's lieutenant going tall and your opponent swarming the board with a bunch of little dudes. And so hmm red has both of those right like you have threaten effects in kari zev's expertise and you have um you have board wipes in i mean a wide variety of board wipes sweltering suns lets you cycle it so that you can get more action um and uh kozilek's kozilek's return is instant speed which is really good and then i think those would probably be the two that would be considered just because radiant Flames isn't gonna really hit for the colors that you need in mono red or in red green. So,
0: yeah, I think there's the one that hits two to each creature without flying is sometimes all right. Um,
1: and now there's there's
0: also the savage alliance as an option. Yeah,
1: and there's the pirate one now too. That's like a proper py- pyroclasm for non pirate creatures. But yeah, yeah.
2: So I don't know what you guys think about the desert red deck. But I actually like that going long against Bant and, like, Blue-White and stuff. It has that card, Hostile Desert, which uh, you can exile a land from your graveyard and pay two. And it, you get a 3-4 elemental. And I just found that to be really good against me personally whenever I was playing Bant. As well as the uh mm-hmm. app Ruins, just late game. As long as it wasn't... Well, I even got up to, like, 40 life one game. And I ended up coming back basically through that and Aether Fear Harvester. Mm-hmm. I just had a hard time battling through all their stuff as they would one-for-one me with their burn spells. And they kind of went longer than me with Bant Humans. And it was very surprising to me.
1: Yeah, it's actually a really interesting matchup to navigate. Like, a lot of people will look at it from the outside and say, like, yeah, this looks completely favored to Bant Humans. And it's, it's, it's actually, like, you have a lot to think about every single turn when you're going against, like, Desert Red or... Um, a lot of the mono red lists because while a tarker red is kind of like this engine that's slowly creeping forward like i find that the mono red lists often have these spells that are just like huge blowouts you know and and it's like you you have to be mindful of those because even if you're sitting at like if you're under 10 life in any given turn you've got to be prepared for the entire board to flip on you
0: all right, so how about one more question about this matchup? How do you feel about the Rampaging Ferocidon? So that's something I think I've tried, and we haven't seen too much else otherwise. But that's that 3-3 dinosaur that stops life gain. And then it's, you know, it's a beater itself. It has menace. It's a decent card. Is that something you want against white to stop those those huge glory bringer, or glory initiate life gain swings? Things like the, the Aethersphere Harvester life gain. Is that something we're interested in? So I don't know the white matchup so much, where I, but I, like
2: I could see that being really good just with all the little dudes that they're playing. But I do know in like the bant humans matchup, which is pretty similar in some ways, uh, rampaging ferocidon's really hard to get past sometimes because you do mm-hmm. uh, you do just want to get those glory bound initiate life gains, and that's oftentimes mm-hmm. what sets the game apart and pulls you ahead.
1: Yeah, most definitely. Like we've talked about the Glory initiate Dramoka's command synergy being one of the more broken things you can do in Frontier. And oh, yeah. that can that can be a problem because it does take care of the Ferocidon, but you didn't get your ten point life swing and you left a blocker down for that exchange. So it's like it it, it fundamentally like reverts some of the things that set Bant Humans ahead in that matchup. And I do think that Rampaging Ferocidon should be played more than it is. I think it's a sleeper in Frontier right now, just because the you can't have anything, everything in a red sideboard. You know what I mean? And uh, I I think it's worth playing more than people are.
2: As far as in the white matchup, do you think it's worth bringing in?
1: So the deck that would be comparable to like our white aggro lists at least. More most closely that gains a lot of life and standard right now is the God Pharaoh's gift list, and people bring it. Ooh, that
0: would be tough. Yeah,
1: yeah. So people bring it in against God Pharaoh's gift. So it, that's that's why I would consider it to be something that can f- turn the game in your favor against white.
0: All right, I'll go to my kind of last question for just talking about the meta in general. Unless you have anything more on this, is do you guys have any kind of last minute revelations? Any last minute meta changes that you're seeing right now you guys want to talk about
1: so i kind of want to talk about the the things that happen naturally in in metagames that are eternal like this or relatively Mm -hmm. eternal so to say um in sort of cycles and my finding has been that in a deck where mid-range or sorry in a metagame where mid-range starts to dominate oftentimes the archetype that ends up breaking that up and shifting things is combo. So, we're either going to see a continued mid-range meta game where just Jundelirium like is kind of like top level with blue black control and they kind of keep everything else down by having all these big effects and the thing that would break that up would be in my opinion something like Sahili so, in some iteration... Yeah, I think
0: I'm I'm right with you there. I think that Sahili is going to be making a bit of a comeback if we have some kind of last-minute tournaments here. I'm definitely looking at a number of ways that Sahili can do something better. And I think that Sahili was kept down a little bit at the beginning of this meta from what we've seen by some of the decks that were popular then. You know, Tarka Red was still very popular. The blue-black decks were looking good against it. Mm-hmm. But Sahili just has so many different ways it can build itself, different ways it can attack and just fit those kind of that eight card slots and, and that's all you need and then you've got a combo deck that gives it this long game gives it game against a lot of different decks oh, yeah, against different. mid-range things
2: so i kind of have a similar view on the format right now we're like obzon is such a powerful deck at its core but i just don't want to play it at all as long as marvel is still around and mm-hmm. i feel like marvel is at its peak right now like higher than it's ever been in a really long time and I think Jund will kind of push it out of the way because I think Jund with all its removal kind of scares away Marvel quite a bit. I could be wrong about that. But uh, this I view Marvel almost as like a big mana strategy, kind of like how Tron is in modern. Mm-hmm. And that also does a really good job of breaking up mid-range. So between like Obzon and Jund, I do feel like they're both kind of getting pushed down right now, even though they're both really powerful. And I'm not like certain that combo is going to be what breaks it up. But I do think that like we're coming to an end of like the value mid range format of frontier
1: which is good, I mean, in a lot of ways, because mid range's game is very, very long in a lot of cases, and so it's nice to be able to keep the format honest and just kind of be pushing like games to like this this focal point of like, all right, did you hit all of your finishers? Or did you close out early? Like, can you close? And if you can't close, then I win, you know?
0: So does that kind of wrap up a bit of the metagame stuff? Why don't we talk a little bit about what you guys, you kind of sprung some me last minute, but you guys are wanted to welcome, you, you want to do some kind of little interview here, some kind of welcome. So mild announcement for anyone who follows kind of us outside of the podcast is that I'm going to be testing with these guys now for the next season. So I was testing with a couple of my friends for our UOL here, there were some people that, you know, they had similar times than when they could play. They had similar testing ideas. You know, we were really big on Jund even before we built this team. But that kind of fell apart. Um, my one guy, he's busy with school. So now I'm going to be testing with the Team UB, which is uh, kind of what a lot of the dominant players here are on. So Kevin's on this team. Our, we've got Thomas Snodgrass, who's on this team. Our new member here is also on the team. So, you know, it's a bunch of uh, really strong players, some players we've mentioned otherwise that have done well. I don't know if you guys want to take it from there, uh, hype up the team a little bit. You guys have been on it longer than I have.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Taylor, why don't you uh, take it away and tell us what you like about being on Team Blue Black.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So I find that Frontier players are generally Johnny's at heart for the most part. And Blue Black on the whole, I think is probably the most competitive team. And I think they're the most realistic about what the metagame is. And we're actually trying to attack the metagame rather than like, oh, look at this really powerful deck we made. It's like, look at this really powerful deck that also is going to be able to take down Marvel. Or now we have to watch out for Sahili. I remember uh, last last time we were testing, we were expecting a lot of Marvel and Sahili, which we ended up being absolutely correct about. So I feel like our judgments are like now very accurate to what the metagame will be of course you guys made the blue black deck that in my opinion is the best in the format
1: yeah most definitely um so this was actually before we formally became team blue black uh thomas snodgrass and matt mctavish and uh rasmus i can never remember mussy's last name uh they all green they all formulated the blue black list that has been super dominant in our metagame and yeah it's uh, it's it's a really good one so it's what we named the team after yeah uh Rasmus Endergren
0: oh that's right yeah
1: yeah um but yeah uh, what i really like about being on team blue black it it even though like we are spikes like it's something that i i look forward to testing with this group every single weekend right and in some evenings like I can be completely aware that I'm going to get quality games in, that I'm going to get feedback on my mental game and learn a lot about multiple archetypes and learn different angles that people can take on standard, not standard, I I don't want to say standard just because that's a format, Um, but on familiar archetypes. And it, Mm -hmm. it gives me a great idea on angles, like watching Thomas play women's, and watching you play women's and then personally playing women's, like, we all kind of just learn, like, what is the right thing to board in in this matchup? And so it's awesome. It gives you a great idea about what to shave, what's lacking, um, what you might not be doing correctly. And, uh, yeah, I I do believe that even though I entered this team as a great player, that it keeps me growing as a player.
0: Okay, yeah, and even before... We had formed a team together, or before you guys had formed a team together. We were talking about the strengths of having people that you can test with, have people you can compare notes with. You're never going to break the metagame on your own. And it's really important to just see what works, grind it out with as many games as you can. And uh, that, that's where strong stuff comes from. And the team Blue Black has a lot of great players, a lot of great content creators. So it's, gonna, it's interesting. I'm glad to be on the team.
1: We're glad to have you, man so
0: so uh you guys have some questions you have anything prepared what did you uh what do you want to ask me about yeah most definitely why i'm joining
1: so yeah first question is what drew you into team blue black what had you thinking that you wanted to join the dark side
0: (laughs) so really it's just um just the quantity of testing that i can do so i had a couple people that i was testing with previously and like I said, they they were getting a little bit busier. I couldn't do quite as much testing with that. I was also testing with a lot of the uh the Trist boys. Um that was a team that I enjoyed testing with and some of them moved on, you know. I think that uh one of them isn't gonna be doing the well next season. You guys already took loophole, you already took uh you got someone else that was one of our big names that Aaron. I was like testing with. Yeah, you got Aaron now too. So you've mm-hmm. got a uh, You got Aaron and Clayton and I was like, you know, if they're they're gone less interested let me find something else and uh you guys had an opening so i i decided to jump in there
2: i've been playing with you since i think pretty much whenever frontier started you and i played in the uh, very beginning cockatrice leagues if i remember correctly
0: yeah yeah we did
2: and you you've always been on different decks i don't think i've seen you like have a specific archetype the entire like the entirety of the format is that just cuz you like get bored of stuff or do you want to sh- constantly try out stuff
0: Um, I don't think I get bored, but I am constantly trying out stuff. You know, I'll sit and I'll be in a meeting at work and I'll be like, ooh, well, you know, if I try this, uh, (laughs) Teamer Battle Rage, Teamer Battle Rage with my Bristling Hydra and Hardened Scales, like, let's see what we can do. So, you know, I'm always trying to try some things out and getting to see what works, what doesn't work, it gives me kind of a broader idea. And then, you know, it just always improves as a player when when something new comes and people want to go and say, hey, I want to try this. You know, if I've tried something like that, that kind of card doesn't normally work.
2: I think a really underrated deck that you've made is your Pharaoh's Gift deck from last league. That deck's really good. Uh, I think as far as Graveyard decks, in my opinion, that's probably the best one right now, as it's like less susceptible to hate and it's very value-oriented.
0: Yeah, I've been trying to say that. I think that there are metagame choices where you would or wouldn't want to play it. I think that it's very similar to Rally in that way, and I've made that comparison before, but in a blind meta, I like it more than I like Rally, I think.
1: Yeah, most definitely. I it's it's really, really frustrating to play against just because of <laughs> how consistently it puts good creatures in the graveyard and gets them back out as four fours. And mm-hmm. like there's an even bigger pool of those that's good in Frontier than there would be in standard. Like we get Hornet Queen and we get Reflector Mage and yeah. And green is so good at filling the graveyard with Seder Wayfinder and getting stuff back out like Seder Wayfinders with Renegade Rallier. So I think it's part of like this inevitability that was formed kind of out of four-color Sahili combo and kind of out of other Delirium decks. That's just... Uh, it's, it's You did a good job on it.
0: All right. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, it's weird for once not being the one asking questions. Normally, I'm kind of the guy who... I just spit out all the questions and then I have the experts here to sit and give me answers back that I like to hear.
1: Yeah. Um, so I have another question for you. Sure. Yeah. So how do you gauge, like, let's say you scribbled some awful handwriting <laughs> in a meeting and, and you're like, all right, cool. Like we got demonic pact. I got fellow Dar guardian. We've got five emra Oh, no, got to trim that down to four Emer- Cool." Um, how do you, so let's say you're, you're doing your first game with a new deck that you just brewed. How do you gauge what its power level is and how do you determine whether it's effective at getting its goal accomplished?
0: So one of the first things I rarely will go and sit down and play a game with somebody if I haven't, uh, if I haven't goldfished it myself six to a hundred times, I'll usually use um I like tapped out a lot no no sponsorship there I'm just a big fan of them as far as uh, they've got a nice uh, they've got a nice format for being able to goldfish online you know just you know I'll goo and I'll, I'll make the deck I'll do playtest. I'll see how the mana goes you know I'll try it 50 times and see if I'm getting hands that get stuck on mana they get good curve outs so that's one kind of, one of the things I'll do is I'll just you know see how the curve looks see what the big plays are see where I'm lacking. If I've got turns where I'm not playing anything, maybe I need to have a few more early drops, a few more late drops, that kind of thing. Um, so I'll usually do that before I'm even before I'm even building a sideboard, before I'm going against other players. As far as how I'll actually judge it, um, you know, I, I like to get some of that idea just from being able to goldfish it. And then it's just, uh, you see what works. You play it a handful of times. If it's not doing powerful things, you stop, you try something else.
2: So I have I have a question about gold fishing. I like to play yeah. really interactive decks, stuff that counters things, stuff that kill things. Same you know. So one of the problems I have with gold fishing is I feel like there's turns where I'll be like, okay, I still have this fatal push in my hand. Like I I guess if they had a creature I would kill it, but it like kind of fills this hole. Whenever you're playing with really interactive decks, how do you like how do you judge that while gold fishing?
0: Yeah, I guess it is certainly harder to goldfish something like a blue-black deck than it is to goldfish. You know, you're curving out with white creatures and swinging every turn. I, I will usually just kind of see where it takes me. You know, I- I'll assume, okay, I'd probably be playing one to two spells a turn if I can cast them on a forum. And uh, we'll see where that takes it. So if it looks like, oh, wow, well, I'm running out of cards really fast, maybe I need additional card draw spells.
1: Interesting do you find follow-up question do you find like let's say you're gold fishing would you sit down and say all right we're gonna assume that my opponent draws the perfect hand today i'm playing against atarka red so they're gonna have turn one swift spear they're gonna have turn two i don't know let's say um they make a couple goblins and then turn three they're gonna play another swift spear and atarka's command me and we're going to see how that all goes. Do you?
0: Yes, absolutely. I'm a big fan of doing that. I like to do that, especially with some of the more interactive decks To say, okay, do I have an answer to the perfect curve out from this deck? Do I have an answer to getting underneath a turn for Marvel? If I'm something like a mid-range deck, you kind of want to look at what some of the best curves are for the different decks in the format and see where you can, how you can beat them, whether or not it's something you can actually look at and beat.
2: Hmm. I don't really know what to ask him, to be honest.
1: Cool. Um, I'm going to have to pass so, it back to you. Awesome. I'll, I'll, I'll pick it up. I'll alley-oop ya. So let's say that you have a color combination going in Frontier, and you find yourself weak to combo. What is going to be the sideboard color that you push into your deck in order to be able to answer a whole bunch of fellow Dark Guardians and Planeswalkers?
0: So that's one kind of combo. I think we actually talked a little bit on this last week where I was saying that white doesn't in some ways have the best answers to combos. They have good answers to Sahili Rai combo, but I much prefer blue or black as the real ways you want to stop those combo decks because there you've got the duresses. You've got the negates that usually find the specific things that they're looking for and take them away before they can do anything really mean with them.
1: Sure. Sure. Um, Have you found that blue and black have a strong matchup against Marvel?
0: Hmm. I don't think it's terrible. I think that Spyglass fits in any deck and that that does a good job against Marvel. Um, I was really worried about Marvel as my Jun deck, not having a good way to answer a resolved Emmercol or a uh, resolved um, Ulamog. So I actually ended up with quite a bit main deck and sideboard that answered that. So I had <clears throat> the Spyglasses sideboard, I had some Hand Hate mainboard, I had Artifact Removal. So I got a lot of ways to get rid of those cards before they became a problem. Uh, same with the... There's effects that, you know, they... I don't know if there's a good name for those effects. The ones that pull all the copies from their deck. We've got the Infinite Obliteration effects.
1: Um, There's the one that does it for a single Phyrexian mana in modern um, surgical extraction yes, and yes there's surgical like lost extraction. legacy
2: and frontier yeah and then there's also the one that's specifically for artifacts what is that one
0: uh dispossessed there's also pick the brain which i've seen here and there but i don't really think it's necessary usually those that ends up being in a deck that has a lot of creatures so that you can convoke it but in creature heavy decks you're not usually worried about a 10 drop a 13 drop Something like that—that's going to come down much later in the game. Yeah. Does the convoke one stain the mind? Uh, yeah. What did I say? Uh, pick the brain, I think. Oh, pick the brain. Yeah, I think that's that. It is also one of those, but that one requires delirium. Stain the mind is one I was thinking of, though. Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah.
2: so I do have a question for you, actually. Sure. Absolutely. Let's say that. Let's say that uh, the deadline's coming up for the Untap Open League tonight, and you're <laughs> forced to pick a deck. What are you going with right
0: now? You know, it's hard not to, despite having tried a lot of things, I do test more on some decks than others. I would probably, if it was tonight, I would fall back into comfort. Um, I don't know if my Jun deck... The Jun deck might be the one I'm most comfortable with, but I don't know if the metagame is exactly what I want there. I would like to see a little bit less Emrakul in my metagame before I'd run that again. I might go back to my Bant, Pharaoh's Gift deck. That's something right now I'm very comfortable with. Otherwise, probably... um some kind of white humans deck either like mono white blue white green white something like that that i've uh, i've been testing a lot of lately so i'm pretty comfortable on Excuse
1: <clears throat> so. i'd probably be on blue white humans too to be honest
2: so i noticed that you guys have been saying blue white a lot and i know that is the go-to deck because there's reflector mage and stuff but i have seen some red white humans decks floating around recently i don't know if people are picking up on this white human trend but I saw a Bushwhacker uh, white humans deck. What do you guys think about that? Are you specifically, Kevin Finkel? So
0: Bushwhacker humans was a thing in Standard actually before. Yeah. I think there. I think that was just when there was Origins before we had gotten some of the BFC stuff, which added more to the deck. Um, uh, no, because no. Bushwhacker was was Battle for Zendikar. Okay, so I think it might Innistrat have been early standard. on. Yeah, we we had had those Bushwhackers because you, white was very weak to the sweepers, so all it needed was. It would run just the red-white duels, and it would be able to use those Needle Spires as a way to come back from a sweeper, especially if you have something like an Always Watching, and it would use the Dushwhackers as a way to refill your board after a sweeper. As far as in Frontier, I don't think that enemy color aggressive decks are quite fast enough. I think that you're going to end up having to use something like a Needle Spires, and it slows you down way too much as a deck um there's a couple good cards there's the three two that gives all of your attacking creatures plus one plus oh i think it's worth looking at but i don't think that it's quite as powerful as what you can do in some other colors with humans right now
1: i tend to agree i i think that you've made a pretty fine observation i tested red white humans uh probably for like three or four games and much like uh, or matches rather and, and much mm-hmm. like the rest of us do when we're like, hey, I set up a brew. It's just like, no, nope, this isn't coming together. And the thing that I was fighting most consistently was my mana base. And and that'll that'll turn me off to a deck really quick. So
0: I'm looking at green-white humans, though, if you want to test that later.
1: Yeah, I think that Dramoka's Command and Renegade Rally are two of the most powerful things in, that are available to humans right now. So I think you're onto something there. And then you still do get a lot of your really powerful sideboard effects, Um
2: Mm-hmm. so if you're playing green white are you just still playing collective company or are you still going really low to the ground
0: i was going with a low to the ground version i'd probably and being be able to the run same. the smugglers copter because that is a that is a constant thing in frontier is that you're kind of stuck between smugglers copter or collective company i've never seen a deck that could successfully use both of them
1: absolutely not now
0: and they're the two different ways that you're going to play around sweepers you're going to play around just general removal spells
1: do you find that Reflector Mage is the biggest draw into Collected Company?
0: Hmm. Possibly. I think that that's a great card. That it, if you're playing those three colors, it, it's hard not to get them. And generally, if you're playing green, you're playing white, and if you're playing white, it's like, oh, might as well add blue for Reflector Mage. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, it's probably the best collect. It's best the best cocoa target. It's kind of what you're always looking for, unless if you're a deck that's a very specific kind of combo with Collected Company.
1: Right, like if you're playing Blue White Spirits or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have to call our interview here. I gotta All right. go into another appointment. <laughs> um,
0: no, uh, I am glad to be on the team. There's a lot that I'm looking forward to bringing. I'm looking forward to sharing some of my brews with you guys and helping you work on your own brews because I have so much experience on <laughs> turning jank into gold here. So. And I think I'm already being able to help a little bit with that. I know um, Katie, I've got a deck that uh, I'm not going to spoil her deck because I know she's kind of keeping it hidden there, but she's going to do some things with rhinos that you guys have never seen before. Ooh, I'm excited. (laughs) And uh, Zed as well, I think. So yeah, I'm looking forward to being on the team. It's going to be a lot of fun.
2: You were one of the people who I was super excited to have on the team whenever I heard that your name was being thrown around.
1: Yeah, I definitely couldn't say no to your name being thrown in the bin just because you are a very (laughs) consistent and powerful player and that's... That's hard to deny. I mean, you you met the qualifications of anyone who we would be considering. So um, it's good to have you, and welcome. All
0: right, guys, let's uh, talk shop a little bit as we kind of wrap up our show. So right now, we're kind of doing some holiday stuff. We tweeted out already, but we're probably not going to have a live stream this week. Uh, we'll let you know when those are coming back up again for our regular timed live stream. Uh, we'll also still be doing every other week, so we'll be off next week, and then we'll hopefully... Right now, our plan is that uh, that January 5th is a Friday. That's when we're going to look to record, and the new set will have just dropped, so we're going to try and get a, a first look at it. Maybe only have been able to test a couple cards beforehand, but uh, we should even have Matt in on that show if we're able to. So if that all works together, it'll come together for a dream episode. If not, you know, <laughs> tell us cards that we're <laughs> tweet out at us, tell us cards that you want us to talk about. Um, other than that, we... I to announce that the X-Mage League got started. We had a handful of players. Out. I'd have to check the exact number, but uh, a decent number of people for that for the first time they're running, and it looks like it's already moving smoothly. And we should have the UOL top eight, uh, maybe even tonight, maybe next week. Um, so we won't be able to let you know tonight, but sometime soon we'll have those numbers for you. We'll probably tweet them out. We'll mention on the top show, and then we'll uh, do some coverage as those are released. Yo, thank you guys for having me on this podcast yeah John. yeah we're uh, happy to have you um, you'll have to speak up a lot more I mean me and uh Kevin we talk quite a bit so any anywhere you can see the spot just uh feel free to jump in there let your point be known yeah we want to hear what you've got because we've tested with you we know you're uh, we know you're a good player so and we're looking forward to having
1: you on future episodes as well it's really good to have you on the team
0: absolutely yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely
1: absolutely
0: all right so uh Feel free to contact us. We're at MTG Frontier on Twitter, MTG underscore Frontier on Instagram. We've got our Reddit, which is MTG Final Frontier, and we're also on Discord, which is a great way to interact with us personally. So, uh, as always, for everyone out there, we look forward to being your go to source for Frontier information online. Your Final Frontier signing off for the night.